Hello and welcome again to our study in the book of Revelation. Um, thought we'd take it outside today. Beautiful day. Um, today we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 8, verse 13. So let me read that and then uh, we'll pray and dive in. Revelation eight thirteen. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. One verse, one verse we'll be considering today, um, but an interesting one and an important one. So let's pray and uh, ask the Lord to bless our time. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Uh, we pray that now as we sit at your feet to consider what you have revealed, what you have shown, what you have spoken to us, that we would take it to heart. Um, that the meaning and purpose of this text would not be lost upon us, but that we would heed it and make good use of it. For we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so far, four trumpets have blown. The first uh, four blasts, these trumpet blasts, as we saw last time, uh, brought devastation to the earth. Uh, the first trumpet affecting a third of the land, the trees, all of the grass. The second affecting a third of the sea, uh, the animals living in it, the ships that sail upon it. The third affecting the world's fresh water sources, a third of the rivers and springs making it undrinkable, poisonous, causing many to die. And the fourth affecting the sky and the luminaries, darkening a third of the day and a third of the night. In those first four trumpets, the Lord was announcing and enacting full-spectrum war upon those who dwell on the earth, destroying that which mankind depends upon, relies upon for survival and for happiness, uh, removing those things from their lives that made them feel secure, um, making life upon earth then difficult and filled with bitterness, wormwood. Look around, it's pretty clear that that's what's happening, even today. In any case, we saw in um, these first four trumpets the heralding of something of a reversal of creation. It's, it's as though the trumpets were doing an act of decreation, that like God is doing an act of decreation in the world, destroying the very things that he formerly brought into existence by his word returning what was, when God created it, a habitable, formed and filled creation that was made for man's sake, that was made to give man joy and happiness and, and a place to thrive and live and multiply. Um, he's now deconstructing all of that, um, turning this habitable world into a place that feels a lot less habitable. Um, something more uh, dark and chaotic and formless and, and even void um, like we saw in Genesis 1-2. Something far less habitable for man. We were also taught in those first four trumpets that the Lord God has heard the cries of his suffering people, his suffering church on the earth. Just as he heard the cries of his people who were suffering in Egypt, and he is answering the prayers of his suffering people with these 
trumpet blasts with these terrible worldwide calamities and plagues. These are his righteous wrath, his vengeance upon an unrepentant world that has in some in sometimes and places shed the blood of the saints. So like in the days of Jericho, remember, um, we talked about that last time, like in the days of Jericho, it's, it's, it is God marching around the walls of this rebellious and wicked world, preparing to bring the city of man down to rubble once and for all. So those first four trumpets then were uh, likened to, they're of a piece with the first four seals that we saw here in Revelation, except that where the seals, as they were opened, the focus was upon how these would affect the church and how it would cause great suffering for the church. Um, the focus was on that, the emphasis on was on that. Here in the trumpets, the emphasis, the focus is upon how these things are impacting the uh, the world, the rest of the world, the suffering, um, or I should say the, the rebellious and in pen, um, unrepentant. So these trumpets are presently being blown on earth, and they have been blowing since Christ came into the world, since he died and rose again and ascended into heaven, and they're going to continue to blow until he comes again at the end of the world, just like the, the seals. Now these blasts are, these trumpet blasts are for the church, um, they're a wake-up call. They're, they're calling us to be awake and to be ready um, because the partial devastations that we're seeing in the world around us, that we see in the news every day, are announcing that God is at war with the world and that his vengeance and wrath is even now being poured out upon the world and that this is a preparation for what will be his final assault upon the world when the walls come crashing down and no stone will be set upon another. These blasts are at the same time for the unrepentant and for the rebellious, for the unbelieving. These are the last warnings that the Lord will give to the world. Indeed, they are more than warnings. Um, they are, in fact, his just and righteous wrath that's even now being poured out upon the world. And as the rebellious and as the unrepentant, as the unbelieving experience these things, it is for them just the beginning of the birth pains. It's not going to get better. In fact, it's going to get far, far worse. Seeing their crops destroyed, their economies crippled, their water poisoned, the sky and air itself becoming toxic, uh, light turned into darkness. I think of the orange skies we had around here with the fires. Um, as, as, as the rebellious world experiences these things, it is the beginning of the birth pangs. It, it is bad, um, but like the plagues that fell upon Egypt, it's going to go from bad to worse. And this is the point of the verse that we are looking at today. It's going to go from bad to, to worse, and the eagle announces that very thing, whoa, 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 because the last trumpet blasts are coming. But before that, the trumpet blasts come, the fifth and sixth and seventh trumpets blow, or rather before we're told about their being blown, there is here in 813 this little pause, this little interlude 
that's given us. Uh, before the prophet John um, receives revelation, for the apostle John receives revelation concerning the last three trumpets, he is shown here and he hears something else here. John tells us, Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that are about to blow. Before the last three trumpets are revealed, John sees and hears an eagle, an eagle flying in mid-heaven, we're told. And its message is very clear, a threefold woe upon those who dwell upon the earth, for the last three trumpets are going to be worse than the first four. By the way, the word woe, don't use it very often today, but it, it's, an, it's a word in English that means great sorrow or great distress, something that is going to cause sorrow or great distress. If you've ever heard someone say, woe is me, what they mean is that they are greatly suffering, that they are under some great distress, and they're suffering so terribly that it would seem that that's all their life is about. It's suffering. They have nothing else but suffering. Woe is me. I, I have become nothing but suffering. Um, well, this eagle is here announcing that the last three trumpets bring sorrows and sufferings so great that it will be nothing but woe for the people dwelling on earth. They are going to be identified with suffering. They're going to wish, in fact, that they were dead. Now, we're not going to be looking today, right now, at those, those last trumpets, but I will tell you this. Where the first four trumpets directly affected the land, the waters, the sky, um, and only indirectly affected those who dwell upon the earth, the last three trumpets are going to target the people themselves. It's going to directly come upon man. The fifth and sixth will bring suffering and horrors directly upon the people. And the seventh is the final trumpet blast that the world will ever hear. Well, today I want to focus on that eagle and upon what it means. Now, here in the United States... Um, the eagle is a positive symbol. Indeed, the bald eagle is the, the symbol of our nation. The eagle is a majestic, beautiful bird. It's glorious and powerful and inspiring. Growing up, I, uh, I loved watching animal documentaries. Documentaries, I still do, actually. And it was always amazing um, when you saw an eagle in flight or even perched on a tree. They're just so majestic. And those eyes, <laughs> um, that seem to just catch everything. Any slight little movement. And the, the beak and the, the sharp talons. Um, the way they scan the horizon and everything below them. Um, and then swoop down with amazing speed and accuracy uh, upon unsuspecting prey. And just destroy it. Just obliterate it. Carry it away. Um, the eagle is glorious. But you watch one, just looking at one, you could be amazed by the design of God's creation. At the same time, you know that the glory of an eagle is not the same glory as of a dove or of a penguin, right? This is a bird of prey. This is the most powerful, in fact, of the birds of prey. 
It was designed by God to kill. And that's exactly what it does, and it does it really well. I remember one time um, looking out through the the window of my front door um, and seeing a large red-tailed hawk, uh, something like a small eagle, tearing a rabbit apart on my front lawn. It was both terrible and amazing, terrifyingly amazing. Now, the rabbit probably never saw the hawk coming. And when the hawk was finished, uh, he flew away, and all that was left on my front lawn was a bloodstain and some few fluffs of rabbit fur. It, it, was, it was like a crime scene. Now, ask yourself why the Lord God would show John an eagle flying in, min, in midheaven announcing these woes. Well, it's a fitting image a symbol of what the Lord has in store for those who dwell upon the earth. The Lord, in his terrible wrath, is like an eagle. And those who dwell upon the earth, well, they're a bunch of rabbits. You get the picture. The eagle, we are told, in verse 13, flies directly overhead, mid-heaven, From that vantage point, and with its sharp eyes, it can see everything below. Nothing escapes its notice. God sees all that is transpiring here on the earth. He knows. Nothing escapes his notice. No one can hide. Nothing is hidden from him. He sees all of the evil that men do. All of the targets of his wrath have been identified, and he is about to swoop down upon the prey. Job describes the eagle in this way. Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on on high? On the rock he dwells and makes his home on the rocky crag and stronghold. From there he spies out the prey. His eyes behold it from far away. His young ones suck up blood where they are, where the slain are. There is he, Job 39, 27-30. This imagery of an eagle symbolizing God's wrath upon the wicked was often used in the Old Testament. God warned his people that should they break covenant with him, he would, quote, bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation, who shall not respect the old or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed. It also shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds or the young of your flock, until they have caused you to perish. Deuteronomy 28, 49 through 51. Now, in time, Israel did violate the covenant uh, through sin and idolatry, and God did bring upon him the eagle... (laughs) the woes that he foretold. Nations swooped down and tore Israel to shreds. Get this out of the sun. Jeremiah um, also described God's judgments in the book of Lamentations in this way. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles in the heavens. They chased us on the mountains. They lay in wait for us in the wilderness. 
Lamentation 4.19. Hosea also spoke this way, prophesying against Israel once again. He said, See the trump, set the trumpet to your lips. One like a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. Now the Hebrew word for eagle and vulture is the same word. It's the same word also in Greek. Our Lord and, and our Savior um, himself describing the end of the world in Matthew 24 also used the same imagery to describe the woes coming upon the earth for its wickedness and rebellion. He said, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures or eagles will gather. Matthew 24, 28. So the effect of the imagery here in Revelation 8, 13 is to portray the coming wrath of God upon those who dwell on the earth. Interestingly and ironically, many cultures have believed that seeing an eagle in flight was a good omen, heralding victory or strength or courage or power for the one who sees it. The Roman Empire, the empire in power when Revelation was written, had for its symbol, just like the United States, an eagle. Such nations, using that symbol, see themselves as, as though they were the powerful bird of prey. It represents them. They are the ones who conquer and tear asunder all those who resist their power. Others take the eagle as a symbol of, or the symbol of an eagle in flight as, um, as, as representing freedom or liberty or discovery and things like that. Well, the Bible's use of the eagle and the imagery of the eagle as representing God's wrath, his power, his all-seeing knowledge of the hearts and actions of men, this sets, it destroys uh, the vain interpretations and omens and symbolic representations of the nations of this world. In fact, they're not the eagle at all. Mankind is not the eagle with freedom and power and majesty. Mankind is the helpless prey. God is the powerful predator. His is the glory, and his is the victory. This image announces anything but victory and liberty and discovery in the world. Rather, this image announces woe, a threefold woe upon those who dwell upon the earth. And we should note that in the book of Revelation, the expression, those who dwell upon the earth, refers not to Christians who are repeatedly defined as having a, or described as having a heavenly identity and a heavenly life, not of the world. It, it always is used of the unrepentant and rebellious who live in the world. In any case, in the beginning, in the first, when, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Spirit of God hovered dove-like over the darkness and formlessness and void and his hovering in that way dove-like heralded the dawn of life um, it heralded light and order and life 
And again, the Spirit of God hovered over the Lord, our Lord Jesus, at his baptism, heralding the dawn of a new creation in and through him. A creation where there is again now, though, everlasting life and light and order. The kingdom of heaven, which is enjoyed by those who are united to Christ, who are baptized into Christ um, through faith. But the image here now is not that of a dove hovering. It's not a symbol of peace, not a symbol of life, a new creation, just like you saw after the flood in the days of Noah. Now we are seeing a bird of prey hovering, a bird of destruction, hovering over the rebellious, the curse, to the corpse that is this dying and dead world. And it heralds not peace and a new creation, but death. It heralds judgment. It heralds destruction. The end of this present evil age and all who are identified with it. God is here revealing what he is doing and is about to do in this world. It will not end well for those who dwell upon the earth. When we Christians look out upon the world and when we see men dying, when we see them suffering greatly, we see the woes to the point that they wish they were dead. A world in great stress, a world distress, a world falling apart. We are here called to understand the meaning of the eagle hovering in mid-heaven. For those who believe, for those who repent and turn to God through Christ, there is another meaning to this, supplied to us here by the Spirit. God comes as an eagle to destroy, no doubt. He's powerful to destroy, and he will destroy his foes. He will destroy this world. But in the process, he will save his people. Like an eagle, the Lord devastated the Egyptians with terrible plagues. But of his people, he said, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Exodus 9, 4. And he said, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions, the Lord alone guided him. No foreign god was with him. Deuteronomy 32, 11 through 12. The destruction that God is inflicting and will inflict when he comes in all of his glory that he will inflict upon those who dwell upon the earth, will also be, at the same time, will be for us, for those who call out to God in faith, for those who are, again, the 144,000 sealed in the blood and spirit of Christ. It is for us, the eagle, a witness that God is coming to save us. He is coming to do battle and will do battle against the world for our sakes. As the psalmist also testified, he said, this is a longer one, so listen, uh, follow, stay with me. The, then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. 
He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire, and he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of, your, of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Psalm 18, 7 through 19. You can see there the bringing together of judgment and salvation. The Lord God coming in terrifying judgment like an eagle swooping down upon its prey. But at the same time, the same judge swooping down will catch his people up and deliver them from that judgment and will bring them to himself and into that rest that he has made and has prepared for us. And so those, those things um, I hope you would see in Revelation 8.13 this morning. And again, I truly encourage those who are not putting their trust in Christ, who are not calling out to God for salvation, you're still putting your trust in this world and in the powers and principalities of this world. You're still looking to politicians despite what you see in the debates and, and in what's going on. You're still hoping in those things. I encourage you. The eagle is flying. It is hovering. God is seeing all of this. His judgments are already being poured out. Don't delay anymore. Stop putting your hope in these vain things. Look to God. Look to Christ Jesus, the one whom he has sent. And be saved from this world and from the woes that are coming upon it. It's not going to get better. Turn to Christ now. And for you believers, I would encourage you in, many, in, in much the same way, stop being distracted by the world and its principalities and powers. It wants you to put your hope in it. It wants you to think everything's going to get better. You just have to try harder. You just have to vote harder. It's not going to get better. Do not put your hope and your faith in politicians or ideologies or in parties, or movements or nations. The eagle is hovering over all the nations. God is going to judge all the nations. And the only he is also the only one who saves. So remember your first love. Turn to him again. Turn to God and, and be saved. And that's my encouragement uh, for us all today. So thank you for joining me. And I look forward to the next time we can get together and look at the, the last three trumpets. God bless.